Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Staking Mondays. Staking Mondays is a weekly show to share knowledge from key staking industry leaders with our community. And of course, this is all powered by stakingrewards.com. At Staking Rewards, we are helping investors navigate the landscape of yield generating digital assets, helping them find the best opportunities to earn interest on crypto. My name is Ken, and I'm extremely excited to welcome today's guest, one of the Forbes 30 under 30 in Asia, Tushar Agawal wears many hats. He started the crypto podcast Decrypt Asia, works as a venture scout in Lunex Ventures, and runs Persistence, a platform that lets users earn liquidity rewards while they stake coins. Now, Persistence is an interoperable protocol built to facilitate the creation of next-gen financial products. The Persistence tech stack provides the infrastructure to effectively bridge the realms of DeFi and traditional finance in a variety of areas whilst also enabling the creation of innovative crypto-facing solutions to expand DeFi and NFT sectors. So P-Stake is live now at app.pstake.finance, and the uncapped launch is set to be released on September 20th. This P-Stake is a liquid staking protocol built for unlocking the liquidity of locked proof-of-stake assets such as Ethereum, Atom, Dot, Luna, and Sol. So welcome today, Tushar. How are you doing? Thank you for thank you so much for having me, Ken. It's it's great to be on the show. I've been a power user of stakingrewards.com for quite a while. So it's an absolute privilege and honor uh, to be on Staking Mondays. That's very great to hear. And uh, just want to congratulate the channel for just passing 1,000 subscribers. I know it's no great feat, but uh, hopefully we'll get to 10,000, 100,000 soon thereafter. So Tushar, thank you for those kind words. And let's uh, dive right in today. So uh, just a little icebreaker question to get you started here. So which crypto projects spiked your interest first outside of BTC and Ethereum, I guess, outside of persistence as well? And, and why was it? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of my journey uh, in cryptos, based out of Singapore for almost close to a day. And in 2016, I, till 2016, I'd been investing in real estate with my parents, had a liquidity event and was looking to invest in into crypto. And uh, in 2017, for you know, uh, the folks that were, you know, in the industry, you would remember that, you know, some of the projects like Republic Protocol, Kyber Network, Zilliqa, Icon, um, were, you know, Bluezell were humongous projects, you know, back in sort of the 2017 run up. And the great thing was that all of these projects came from Singapore. And, and so, you know, I, I got a good chance to get exposed to uh, sort of on the ground exposure to, you know, some of the teams and folks working on this project, obviously, you know, folks on the fund side. So a lot of uh, folks who run Defiance uh, Capital, uh, QCP Capital in Singapore, uh, you know, were all sort of part of the Singapore crypto ecosystem. Obviously, I think since then it's kind of died down a little bit, but that was sort of my first entry into crypto. Uh, it did decently well on my personal portfolio in 2017, which allowed me to quit my management consulting job um, and get into crypto full time. And, and that's when the podcast came about. I started writing on Tech in Asia, which led to a full-time opportunity at Lunex Ventures, which is the crypto arm of a traditional VC called Golden Gate. And then over a period of time, I wanted to be on the operator side as opposed to being a capital allocator. And that's how Persistence came about. And then within Persistence, we're creating a whole bunch of projects and products. Um, and so we've had this sort of meandering journey where We've listened to our community. We've listened to, we've done a lot of research to figure out what, what to bet on next. It's going to be interesting um, one or two years from now because 
again, some of the things that are already big, you can't bet on those things. So we always try to, you know, stay ahead of the market and be like, okay, what's going to be, uh, you know, big um, in a couple of years and try to make products accordingly. So yeah, that's that's kind of you know in a quick nutshell what my you know journey and, and story has been. You know, absolutely love the space. Has have been on the media side of things. Have been on the investment side of things. Have been on the technology side of things, and and absolutely love the industry. Yeah, and being on the media side of things can obviously help you in terms of marketing and putting your thumb right on the trend. And it seems like you've done that here uh, with some of the products that. Uh, such as P-Stake that's coming out and really excited to get into some of these questions and just want to welcome all the audience that is joining us now. Hey guys, how are you doing? Uh, so let's dive right into Shar. So I just want to start talking regarding persistence mainnet. So uh, the, the data on staking rewards actually suggests that over 80% of eligible XPRT are being staked. I mean, this is an extremely high number, uh, relates to higher security in the network. So what factors helped you achieve this high rate? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I would be lying if we did some of the seminal work done by other projects. So, you know, I think most notably Akash Network, which is another project in the Cosmos ecosystem that had even higher inflation than Persistence did. But, you know, basically, you know, our thought process was that um, it is actually a little bit counterintuitive where, you know, folks think that if you have high staking rewards, then the sell pressure from the staking rewards is going to you know, um, be counterproductive. But I think what ends up happening is that from an end user or end token holder or end token staker perspective, um, I think fixed income is this, uh, you know, sort of web that just, you know, uh, you know, catches hold of you, which is what stakingrewards.com as a whole is built on. And so what we decided to do was um, have a range of, uh, 25 to 45% staking rewards based on the staking ratio. So all Cosmos chains uh, have this parameter of, uh, you know, a minimum inflation and maximum inflation. So we've put a minimum inflation of 25% maximum of 45, but we kind of hover around, you know, 35%. Right now, I think it's about 37.5%. Um, so I think that has really helped us to achieve a very high staking ratio. Uh, what we also actively try to do is work very closely with our investors, our, you know, advisors, our validators, community members to, you know, make it really easy for them um, to stake XPRT. And then I think overall it's, I guess, ultimately it's the community's fundamental belief in what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, over a period of time, having folks who have fundamental belief in the project over a much longer term horizon. Uh, and so that has become our, you know, token holder base. So I think those are some of the things that have contributed to having a high staking ratio. I think it's still one of the highest staking ratios uh, in terms of the entire Cosmos ecosystem. Yeah, it's it's quite impressive. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's not only uh, the attractive APY, APR that can be earned by participating in the network as a validator, but it's also uh, the communication you have with your community seems to be really on point as well uh, because there are other networks that offer high you know, APY to stake with them as well, but they don't have as high as particip uh, participation numbers. So maybe it has something to do with your background in media uh, that translates over to the community. So very cool to see that. And uh, let's let's keep that number as high as it is now. Um, so yeah, shifting absolutely. gears, <laughs> shifting gears over to P-Stake, which is currently live, app.pstake.finance. Uh, this protocol will allow for the issuance of representative tokens on Ethereum, which are backed one-to-one -one by native assets staked 
on POS chains. These are called staker tokens, and they can be utilized in the vast DeFi ecosystems of Ethereum. Now, before we get into the kind of utility those tokens can present, what validators will support these cross-chain staking responsibilities? And what does the selection for these validators, what does that process look like? Yeah, so what we're doing is we're going with a subset of high-quality Cosmos validators who are going to be receiving all the atoms that we're going to attract through the P-Stake platform. Uh, so some of these validators are Stake.Fish, Chorus1, uh, Everstake, Figment, Cosmos Station, Audit1. So these are some of the high-quality validators that have had a good track record. A lot of them have been involved in the launch of the Cosmos Hub itself, um, you know, back in 2018, 2019. Um, and, uh, you know, essentially, you know, for now, what we wanted to do was not complicate things too much for ourselves and not expose the users of P-Stake uh, application to too much risk, which is why we've kind of chosen some of the highest quality validators. Now, typically one question that we get is that, you know, you know, because these are already high quality validators and they already have a lot of stake, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of coins already staked to them, you know, does that is does not does P-Stake not lead to greater centralization of the network itself? And the answer is yes. And so from a longer term perspective, what we want to do is, you know, attract smaller validators who have good track records. And there are different ways to judge that track record as well in terms of uptime, you know, uh, in terms of number of blocks missed, you know, in a certain number, in an X number of, you know, previous blocks, in terms of uh, what is the maximum change in commission of the validator itself, um, how long has the validator node been running for in the active set. So there are multiple, you know, parameters that you can put and, and the validator set, which is receiving this atom delegations from the PSTIC platform can be a very dynamic set. Uh, right now, what we're doing is the six validators that we have, all the stake that is being attracted, all the atoms that are being attracted from the users of PStake are going to be distributed equally amongst the six validators. From a longer term perspective, again, what we want to do is make sure that it's not split equally, but it's split in a certain proportion, which makes sure that the underlying network does not become too centralized while still ensuring that we're protecting the end users from like slashing risk and things like that. Yeah, very important that you're keeping this decentralization uh, topic in mind when selecting validators, even though now you seem to be selecting the, the bigger validators that are more reliable, been around for a while, uh, been around for the Cosmos hub transition. Uh, in the future, you have a vision and plans to make this uh, more decentralized for the smaller guys, uh, which is you know greatly appreciated from your community, I'm sure, and from an entire ecosystem that appreciates decentralization efforts. Um, so P-Stake will also support major P uh, proof of stake networks like Cosmos, you mentioned, Terra, Polkadot, Solana, and Ethereum 2.0. So what's your evaluation process when selecting new networks? Yeah, so from a go-to-market perspective, we've already gone to market. You mentioned app.pstake.finance is already live. Uh, we have STK atoms as the first staked atom, uh, first staked coins that can be minted on the P-Stake platform. Uh, the way we have designed uh, the application is such that it is very scalable across multiple other Cosmos-based coins. So um, coins like Luna, uh, AKT, which is Akash Network, Persistence, so XPRT, and uh, Injective Protocol, Band Protocol, uh, Kava, Iris. So these are coins that we can easily expand to. In parallel, what we're doing is 
you know, sort of creating parallel teams within the PSTEC team to do implementations for other ecosystems. Because again, in terms of how um, uh, staking and unstaking works um, for different POS networks, it's very unique. Uh, so how staking works on Solana is very different from how staking works within the Cosmos ecosystem. And, you know, the uh, staking unstaking for ETH2, again, is, is still something that is, you know, being discussed, uh, especially the unstaking part. So I think those are things that, you know, we'll sort of try to do in parallel as we go after the different ecosystems. For now, uh, what we're focused on is the Cosmos ecosystem. So, you know, our belief is we've been early Cosmos community members. Um, we were ourselves involved in the launch of the Cosmos Hub. Um, persistence is a tenement based chain as well. So we ourselves have been part of the Cosmos ecosystem. And so, and we have built, you know, through different activities that we have done um, with the Cosmos ecosystem. So whether that was the stake drop campaign that we did last year for Luna, um, Kava and Atom stakers. So we've built, uh, you know, strong uh, relationships uh, and brand awareness within the Cosmos communities. So from our perspective, it made the most amount of business sense to go to market with tendermint based coins. Uh, now, again, the announcement went live, I think yesterday, if I'm not wrong, uh, or, or even, uh, you know, uh, today, uh, where, you know, we'll be uh, doing the, uh, you know, token distribution uh, for, uh, for P-Stake through Alpha Launchpad. Um, and, and so again, what we now want to do is kind of tap into the Ethereum uh, community uh, because we have very strong foothold on the Cosmos side. What we now want to do is, you know, um, you know, penetrate sort of the hardcore DeFi users as well and sort of create this, you know, nice uh, synergy between, you know, the two communities. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, high level from a high level perspective, you know, that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And we'll kind of keep betting on different communities as in when uh, different POS communities, as in when they become, you know, bigger and, and grow. Um, yeah. And great to hear that you're bringing in uh, sort of a subset of teams to help with the integration that are specialized within those uh, networks that you're onboarding. So uh, really exciting yeah. to see what the what the next projects are onboarded, uh, maybe in the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem. So uh, stay tuned, guys, for more updates on that side of things. Um, so. So getting into the staker tokens themselves, maybe a really high level explanation of what a staker token is. How can staker tokens help users to unlock the benefits of staking returns while avoiding lockup periods associated with traditional unbonding times from proof of stake networks? Give the users a good idea of, of what this uh, staker token is and like what are the benefits that it brings to the table? Sure, so I mean, again, I think to make things extremely simple, you know, because what, what we have realized is that staking itself is something that folks are now coming to terms with and starting to realize what staking is. So before going into what liquid staking is, you know, just to spend a minute on, you know, staking, a lot of folks are DeFi users. And so you might stake your Aave, you might stake your Sushi, uh, you might stake your Alpha coins. Um, but, you know, when it comes to POS coins like Atoms, like Dots, um, like, you know, ETH, soon to be ETH, uh, essentially where the staking rewards are coming from is the same place where rewards come from for miners as far as PO net, POW networks go. Um, and so, you know, uh, atom stakers are actually taking part in consensus um, as the validators come to consensus on transactions uh, on the Cosmos Hub. Um, and how that works is that, you know, typically if I have, say, atoms, I will stake my atoms through a, 
uh, through a wallet uh, onto one of the validators. And right now the APYs are about slightly more than 10%. So if I buy 100 atoms, I'll have 110 atoms by the end of the year. And overall, if the dollar amount of atoms has stayed the same or increased, I'm well off. Um, but what happens is once you have staked your atoms, um, you will keep accruing rewards, which are your 10% staking rewards. But you can't really use these atoms anywhere else now. Um, what we do is uh, we issue, like you mentioned, representative coins. So if you stake through the P-stake platform, your atoms get staked in the backing uh, APYs on the staking rewards. But what we do is we issue these representative coins, which are called STK atoms. Um, and these STK atoms are free to be traded anywhere within the DeFi ecosystem. Now, one thing to note is that we're issuing these STK atoms not on the Cosmos chain, but on the ERC20 side. Why are we doing that? Because for now, you know, Ethereum and ERC20 coins have the most amount of composability and liquidity to benefit from. And so, uh, you know, in this situation, now you're earning staking rewards in the background in the form of atoms, but now you have STK atoms as well, which are liquid and you can do anything. Now, what you can do is you can supply these STK atoms uh, as liquidity on a DEX to an STK atom ETH pair, or you can use these STK atoms as collateral to take out USDC as a loan in case you want to buy more atoms. Uh, and so essentially what we're trying to do is trying to increase the utility of you know, atoms and other POS coins without affecting network security. In fact, incentivizing users to stake more because suddenly they can stake those coins, keep earning staking rewards, but then do other things, um, you know, with their representative coins uh, as well. And obviously we'll have certain incentive mechanisms in place for folks to mint SDK atoms, supply liquidity to a DEX. And, you know, basically instead of just earning 10% staking rewards, suddenly those rewards become, you know, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 um, percent, depending on, you know, how uh, those rewards are being given out to the end users. So basically, ultimately, if we look at different stakeholders perspective, so the underlying POS protocol, they're happy because um, their staking ratio is increasing because more and more people now want to stake because they're getting such huge APYs. We're happy, obviously, because our platform is being used. The end users are happy because they're getting good APYs. Um, so it's a sort of creating a win-win-win uh, scenario. So yeah, that's the kind of overall overall overview of the product and kind of our thought process. Yeah, very good description there. And I think it really translates into a better experience for everyone involved, right? The networks that are increasing staking participation, the users that are getting higher APY. Imagine uh, being able to use an Atom token in DeFi products that's still getting staking returns on the back end. It's really amazing stuff here. And I think uh, our listeners are certainly going to uh, dig deeper into this if they haven't already. Uh, but you're truly, if you're searching for the best yield, this is definitely a product for you. Um, now, in terms of, of collecting on these staking rewards, so when transferring an SDK token to a different wallet address, this actually triggers an automatic rewards claim. But are there any thresholds for rewards claims? And who covers the gas costs for those transactions? Yeah, so, you know, uh, there are no thresholds for rewards, you know, uh, but if you're transferring SDK tokens from one wallet to another, there's an auto claim reward, uh, like you said, auto claim of the rewards, like you mentioned. Uh, the gas fees for that are going to be borne by the end user, uh, for similar to any DeFi application. 
Um, you know, not to confuse the end listeners, but the only place where we're covering gas costs is the minting of, uh, you know, P atoms, which is like a wrapped atom uh, within the, uh, you know, P stake application. That's the only place where we, where uh, the gas costs are going to be covered by uh, the P stake team. Everywhere else, in terms of one, once STK atoms have been, once P atoms have been minted, and again, the difference between P atoms and STK atoms is that P atom is just like REN BTC, which is just a wrapped coin on the Ethereum side. STK atoms are actually coins. You can convert your P atoms into STK atoms. And STK atoms are the ones that are accruing staking rewards. Once you have come into the P stake application, which is basically you have minted P atoms, every action that the end user does, they pay the gas costs. Only for the minting of the wrapped atoms or P atoms, uh, the gas costs are borne by uh, the the persistent slash you know P stake team. Okay, thanks for that clarity there. So, uh, gas costs covered when going to P atoms, but not when going to SDK atoms or when moving SDK atoms normally from wallet to wallet. There's no gas coverage Correct. buried Correct. by the end. Correct. Okay, absolutely, Actually. absolutely. So I know our team's mind is kind of running wild with the kind of secondary products that can be created uh, from the SDK tokens. But in your mind, what secondary products could be built or what would you like to see being built or utilized with these SDK tokens? Yeah, so I mean, high level perspective, you know, although we're branding and positioning P-Stake as a liquid staking platform, um, longer term, how we see ourselves positioning P-Stake is as a, you know, proof of stake asset management or proof of stake as an asset class. You know, I think proof of stake itself, you know, according to the data from stakingrewards.com, I think the total market cap is north of $600 billion for all POS coins. And I think the staking ratio is about 26%. I think which I think roughly translates to slightly more than 110 or $120 billion in um, assets that have been already staked uh, to secure multiple POS networks. So I think from, from that perspective, what we're essentially um, you know, doing is, you know, trying to unlock the, you know, liquidity uh, of, of these particular assets. Um, but I think I, I digressed a little bit there. What was your question again? Oh, yeah, in terms of, sorry, use cases. Yes. Yeah. So over time, what we want to do is once you have unlocked liquidity for these, uh, you know, POS coins, you know, like I said, I mean, right now, if we think about what are the use cases in DeFi in general, you know, I think DEXs, um, borrowing, lending, uh, you know, derivatives platforms. I think those are the, you know, typical use cases. And those are the use cases that we'll be going for as well to begin with. Um, I think some of the other interesting things are definitely like creation of like, you know, POS indexes and things like that, where, you know, folks are betting on like a basket of POS assets um, and not giving up staking rewards. So they're getting, they're basically betting on, you know, POS assets to increase in value over time while having a fixed income element of, you know, continuing to accrue staking rewards as a way to sort of mitigate their downside risk as well. And, and so I think, you know, those are some interesting products. You can obviously create vaults over time where people just deposit, you know, USDC and you basically manage their USDC and allocate it to a bunch of, uh, you know, POS assets, giving them again the same thing, which is, you know, the upside on POS assets in general, while mitigating downside through, you know, uh, uh, continuous staking rewards that are accrued. And so you can have like high, medium, low risk kind of, you know, investment products, uh, so to speak, focused exclusively on POS assets. So the minting of SDK tokens is just the first piece of the puzzle. 
and that generates a small amount of revenue for us. Then obviously a percentage of the staking rewards themselves, which we keep. But then over time, the really big revenue generator for uh, P-Stake is going to be asset management and creation of indexes and things like that. And, and then the great thing is that all of these fees that is being accrued gets distributed to you know both P-Stake stakers and XBRT stakers. And so that's how we get the whole you know persistence and P-Stake economy going. Yeah, absolutely grateful that you just gave some uh, great examples of unicorn type use cases for P-Stake and for these SDK uh, token assets. I hope uh, the developers and builders in the community were listening to that. I know we were. Uh, so excited to see what comes down the line in the next year or so uh, once these secondary applications start coming to life. Um, so in regards to P-Stake's governance token that was recently announced, um, this is the, the, the P-Stake. So tell us about the economic benefits to holders of this token. Yep. Uh, so, you know, like I just, I think it's a great transition from the previous question as well, right? So um, the P-Stake token is a governance plus a fee sharing token where, um, you know, uh, the stakers of the P-Stake coin itself, you know, take part in certain uh, decisions with respect to parameters on the P-Stake application. Um, and what they also do is um, they get a percentage of the fees that is being generated and we'll be communicating these numbers of what percentage of the fees that is being generated on P-Stake actually goes to P-Stake uh, holders. And there's obviously a little bit of trickle down to XPRT stakers as well, because again, they're part of our broader ecosystem. Um, and so what um, will happen is that, um, you know, similar to XSushi, which accrues rewards from all of the financial activity taking part, uh, taking uh, uh, that is happening on the Sushi uh, application, a certain amount of fees is going to accrue to uh, the P-Stake stakers. So, um, yeah, I think that's how we're thinking about um, uh, the P-Stake token. Yeah, definitely some opportunity for Alpha there. So what do you think about the landscape for liquid staking solutions derivatives? Uh, what will this look like in two to three years from now? And how many solutions will gain significant market share? So uh, that's a good question, right? Because if you look at Lido Finance, um, has more than six billion in TVL, and you know it, it is orders of magnitude bigger than its next next biggest competitor. Uh, if you go to DeFiLama.com, uh, which is uh, again this you know sort of application that gives you rankings of you know various DeFi applications. Uh, so yeah, I think from from that perspective, you know again you know similar to the numbers that I quoted earlier, the total market cap of POS coins is north of $600 billion. Out of that, I think total in total about only 7 billion has been captured on liquid staking platforms. So that is, you know, just close to 1% of the total market cap that has been captured um, on, uh, on liquid staking platforms. So you can kind of see what, and we have newer POS coins coming every day. Um, all, all of the new, you know, chains that are being launched, you know, they're all pretty much unanimously POS or some kind of version of POS. So uh, I think from that perspective, you know, uh, th there are a few growth factors. So one is the market cap of POS coins increasing uh, with respect to the current coins increasing in valuation. Second is the addition of new POS coins. Um, the third is increase in staking ratio. So like I said, only I think 110 or $120 billion out of the 600 billion plus POS market cap has been staked today. 
so the growth in the staking ratio itself from say 25 26% to say 50% uh, um so I, I think from that perspective you know, three years from now i think some of the biggest defi applications you know you look at ave today i think ave if i'm not wrong um let's go to defi llama um it's i think it's about 15 billion last i had um checked yeah today 13 billion tvl um for ave i think you know we'll soon see lido overtake ave in terms of you know uh you know having the maximum amount of of tvl so i think we'll see a like and again i think from people think it's a sort of winner takes all market but i think it's still so early because in 2015 2016 if you talked about proof of stake or delegated proof of stake people would laugh at you because it was so academic in nature in 2018 early 2019 we saw the launch of cosmos and tezos which which were the first you know proper delegated proof of stake chains in production and so we forget we tend to forget because we're in the industry we tend to forget how early it is um and so it's literally like pos as we know it has only been in production for 3 years um and you know obviously you know crypto world you know there's massive amount of amounts of fomo but um i think we have to take a step back and and be like okay this is super early i think we'll have uh, th- there is room for about sort of five or six uh, applications to coexist in my opinion applications that are focused on different sort of ecosystems so like pstake for example is betting heavily on the tenement based on the tenement ecosystem right so we want to do eth2 and other assets as well but tenement sort of will always be our um you know something that we bet on early so yeah i think you know we'll see a whole bunch of you know liquid staking platforms and applications uh, in the market in a couple of years from now huge amounts of tvl um you know based on the growth factors that i mentioned which is you know growth of the overall pos market cap um growth of the number of pos projects growth in staking ratio um yeah So we're basically in the very early innings if not the first inning of a story where only 1% of the potential has been captured at this point of a potential over trillion dollar market uh cap market share. So very exciting and and yeah, sometimes you forget being in the industry how new this stuff is and it's a good reminder there that we are still very early in the ball game here folks. Um yeah, so- just to just to jump in one one point is that like we speak to a lot of like you know uh traditional hedge fund managers and family offices there's just discovering about staking itself right uh, and like staking is so new for them and i think eth2 will be that catalyst the merge uh where people will actually know like what staking is and that will be the huge development of the fixed income markets uh in crypto because now so many family offices are sitting on huge amounts of eth and obviously then once they figure that out then they'll want to you know exposure to other pos assets and yeah so yeah i think still super super early Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that ETH 2.0 may be the Trojan horse to get these institutional investors, you know, fully into the staking ecosystem. So, uh re- really looking forward to when that happens end of this year, beginning of next year, uh and to see what kind of possibilities come with the kind of capital inflow that happens into proof of stake. Um so talking more about the dynamics of PSTake persistence in audit 1. Uh could there be potentially a conflict of interest between these bodies? Yeah, so high level our journey has been very similar to that of terra where you know terra is a tenement based uh, chain they have chai as a third party application and they have anchor protocol mirror pro- protocol as in house application uh, we've taken a lot of inspiration from the folks at terra where you know persistence is a tenement based platform 
Um, and we have uh, Comdex as a third-party application and, you know, P-Stake and Asset Mantle, which are, again, two in-house applications. Asset Mantle is something we haven't spoken about too much externally. We'll be sort of going out of the market and speaking about it more. Hey guys, everyone watching the live stream, just bear with this one moment. We're having a connection issue here. We're gonna get Tushar back on the line in just a minute here. So if you just bear with us. All right, yeah. Tushar, picking right back up where we left off. Yep. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, talking about the relationship between the different entities and different projects, um, you know, persistence, P stake, audit one. So, um, kind of high level talked about, you know, how Terra is structured and how we've taken inspiration from them. I think crypto is one space where, um, you know, the sum is greater than the individual parts. So, one plus one does not equal two. Um, and because we were involved in the launch of Cosmos Hub and we run back. I have some connectivity issues. I hope it doesn't drop off again. Um, but you know, I'll try to wrap this up, you know, fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, in, in general, what we are trying to do is just, you know, trying to see for the token holders, for XPRD holders, P stakeholders, how they can benefit from the overall applications succeeding as a whole. So as the and you know, similar to what we have mentioned in terms of P stake being a you know um uh, you know, fee sharing token, where as there's greater financial activity on P stake, you know, P stake stakers accrue more fees and XPRT stakers accrue more fees. The difference between XPRT stakers is that they accrue fees from all of the applications in the persistence ecosystem. So they, uh, they, they're essentially betting on the different asset classes that persistence is going after. So whether that is commodities for Comdex, whether that is liquid staking for P stake and whether that is NFTs for asset mantle. So the three applications in our ecosystem. Um, and so XPRT stakers are betting on all those three. P stake stakers are betting on just you know liquid staking within the those three asset classes. The backstory of Audit One is that it started because we were unable to raise capital initially, um, and we basically funded all of our, all of our development and salaries by just running validator nodes on different POS networks. Um, and th this is during the you know. Uh, you know, during the depths of the bear market where no investor would, um, you know, would, would uh, you know, spare their capital, even though we were, you know, an extremely ambitious and, um, you know, uh, extremely ambitious team. So we just relied on 
staking rewards and liquidating those staking rewards to be able to fund development. So it started off as like a way to just survive. But since, you know, then we've become the largest validator in Southeast Asia and South Asia. And not only do we run validators for ourselves, we also white label validators for institutional fund managers in Europe and North America, which by the way, will be liquidity providers to pre-stake. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like connecting the dots sort of backwards as the cliche goes, um, where because you run validators, you can build relationships with fund managers who then become XPRT holders and liquidity providers to pre-stake. So it is so difficult to explain that externally, but basically because we run validators, some of our other products succeed. Because we know how POS protocols work, P-Stake succeeds. Um, and so I think that's how you know the different dots connect. Um, but from our perspective, we'll always make sure that, you know, the three pillars on which a good, you know, at some point things will blow up. Um, you know, second is community. If community doesn't back you, then you will fail. And so we always listen to our community and, and try to incorporate as many of their feedback. And then finally is like, you know, your ability to do BD and, you know, crack like sort of big deals and, you know, become, make sure that persistence, peace take and all of the products that we create become more institutionalized. So high level, I think those, are, you know, we have sort of, we've created this sort of full fledged team with backend, front end developers, blockchain developers across Go, Ross, Solidity, and, um, you know, growth, BD, uh, marketing folks, researchers, uh, designers, to make sure that, you know, we have all the elements in place to make sure that we have the greatest chance of success. Um, and then interweaving these products together uh, to again, you know, have, again, to, it's a probabilistic probability game. So increasing the chances of uh, the success of the persistence ecosystem. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And uh, yeah. Uh, great insights there. And um, from my perspective, it almost seems like the way you walk in these different arenas helps with your business development and could potentially translate into the XPRT token being staked uh, with more participation rate. Maybe this is this is why, because you have these relationships because of Audit One, because of all these products that have been built. So uh, nothing but positive to say about the ecosystem so far as, as terms of staking data and metrics that we're, sh we're showing on the site here. Uh, and to just, to just wrap this up here with a final question, um, You've already named some yield opportunities here, but a lot of our users and community listening, I'm sure are eager to get in there and stake some kind of asset, right? So in your mind, what is the best yield opportunity currently available within the persistence ecosystem? Yeah, so I think there's a, you know, a few options. One is just buying, you know, if you're lazy, then maybe just buy XBRT and stake it and get 37.5% APYs and upside on, you know, all of the other products that we come out with. Um, and obviously, if you're an Atom holder, it would be great to be an early user of uh, the PStake application. You know, we'll most definitely be incentivizing all of the early users of PStake heavily. You know, the mechanics and the numbers are still being worked out as we speak. Um, so I think those are the two biggest opportunities right now. But yeah, I think definitely the easiest way to get involved uh, is to buy XPRT. We're now on, you know, uh, two of the, you know, big Cosmos uh, decentralized exchanges, which is Osmosis and Emirates, and on um, three centralized exchanges, which is Forbi, um, Ascendex, uh, and Gate, and then KuCoin as of tomorrow. So four centralized exchanges and two de decentralized exchanges. And then obviously you can stake via the native persistence wallet, which is wallets.persistence.one, or you can stake via Kepler, Cosmos Station, which are, you know, native Cosmos wallets. 
dropping some free alpha there for our users. Much appreciated, Tushar. So it's been great talking with you today. Uh, Tushar, how can people follow you and learn more about the stuff you're working on with Persistence? Yeah, so, you know, at the rate Persistence handle, uh, P-Stake has its own handle, which is, you know, P-Stake Finance. Uh, and then, you know, you can, uh, I'm always available on DMs and things like that for opportunities at the rate uh, Tushar 307. You know, uh, I think it works the best in terms of um, engagement and Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be sure to have uh, all those links up for you guys to reach out to Tushar on Twitter and all the other uh, subsidiary links as well. So for everyone watching, please check out our previous episodes of Staking Mondays. We go live every Monday and talk to industry leaders within the staking industry to share information with our communities. Be sure to smash the like button on this video, share it around and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks, guys. This episode was sponsored by Gravity Dex. We're about to watch this clip here and take care until next time, guys. Happy staking. What's...